0: of the success story podcast. Thanks again for joining me today. I'm sitting down with Bob Berg. Uh, If you don't know who Bob Berg is, a former top sales professional, highly sought after conference speaker, author. For over 30 years now, he's helped companies, sales leaders, uh, their teams communicate value, sell at higher prices, less resistance. He's been named by the American Management Association as one of the top 30 most influential thought leaders in business and is the author of a number of books in sales, marketing, influence, With total book sales approaching 2 million copies, probably much more than when I pulled the stat, including the most recent book, Go-Giver and The Go-Giver, a Wall Street Journal business week bestseller, has sold over 950,000 copies since its release and has constantly stayed in the top 25 uh, of business books bestseller lists. The book has been translated in 28 languages. It was rated number 10 on Inc. Magazine's list of most motivational books ever written and HubSpot's 20 most highly rated sales books of all time. Bob, thank you so much. Such an honor to unpack your story, understand how you became the, the, the brand, the person, you know, that you are right now, uh, over your career. So, so walk me through what, who is Bob Berg from, uh, from the start and and how you got to where you are today. Oh, great to be with you, Scott. Thanks for having me. Uh, I began
1: uh, my business career as a broadcaster, actually, first as a uh, sportscaster on a a small radio station and then a a television news anchor on a a small affiliate in the, a a small ABC affiliate in the Midwestern United States. Uh, I I wasn't really very good at it and I wasn't long for that job. And I soon I like to say graduated into sales. The, uh, the biggest issue I had was though, that was that I knew nothing about sales on a, on a formal level. I, I had no training, didn't know anything about it. And the training where I where the, for the company where I first worked was negligible. Yeah. <laughs> I really, not distant, actually, <laughs> and so I had to figure out things for myself, which, which that's not me. I'm, I, I don't invent or create wheels, so I floundered. Uh, because I, I didn't figure figure it out. Fortunately, I didn't have to, though, because I, I was in a bookstore and came across a couple of books on selling, which surprised me. Now, again, this is 40 years ago. And back then, the prevalence of books on sales was nothing as it is as it is now. Uh, but fortunately, in the bookstore I was in, there were two great books to a couple of classics. One was by Tom Hopkins and one was by Zig Ziglar. And I got those books and I studied them. I study them after work every day and until the, the wee hours of the morning. And I'd read and highlight and take notes and, and dog ear the pages and practice. And do, and within a few weeks, my sales really began to soar. And um What it really told me was that if you have a methodology, if you have a system for for doing a thing that you may not have known how to do before, but if it's a good system and it's principle-based, you can be successful and you don't have to reinvent the wheel. So uh, that was very, very encouraging for me. Um, To this day, I would define a system as simply the process for predictably achieving a goal based on a logical and specific set of how-to principles. So the key is predictability. Mm. If, if by doing A, uh, it's been proven that you'll get the desired results of B, then you know all you need to do is A, and keep doing A, and keep doing A, and eventually you'll get the desired results of, of B. So that, you know, again, that's that's sort of how I, I began to learn selling and from there as part of selling, as you know, personal development really comes into play. So I started buying all the books that we hear about, you know, the, uh, uh and back then it was, you know, how to win friends and influence people, yeah. think yeah. rich, which those are still classics, which everyone should have in their, in their, their library. Um, the magic of thinking big psycho cybernetics as a man thinketh and, and so forth. And I was just overwhelmed with this wonderful, not only business building but just self-growth material and uh, i really enjoyed it so in time i i became sales manager of another uh, company and after a while started teaching others how to do what was working uh, for me and, and for for my team and uh, eventually kind of morphed into a, a speaking business and which i approached again very systematically i joined the uh, National Speakers Association. And I learned from those who come before me and had a, a roadmap, a system for how to build a, a speaking business. And as you said, I've been doing that now for about 30 years.
0: And, and tell me something. So you're a very logical process, process-driven person. It makes a ton of sense. So what is, when you write a book like The Go-Giver, I watched, uh, I watched some of your speaking engagements where you're speaking about giving uh, abundance mindset. This is all tying back to success, I'm assuming in sales and in life and in other things. When you're the, the process that you've developed, I'm curious where that came from and how it differentiates and provides value to people when now there is just an absolute abundance of different sales, books, novels, literature, some good, some not so good, much more than you know, when you first started picking up those, those classics. And I have actually some of those on my shelf now, so I, I appreciate it. So what is, yeah. what is a go-giver um, and what does that mean?
1: Yeah. So a go that, and that's such a great question. A go giver is basically someone who understands that shifting their focus, and this is really the key, shifting one's focus from getting to giving. And when we when we say giving in this context, we simply mean constantly and consistently providing immense value to others. Now, understanding that not only is this a more fulfilling way of doing business, it's the most financially profitable way as well. And not for reasons of, you know, some woo-woo way out there type of reason or mystical, magical thinking. No, it's actually, again, very logical. It's very rational. When you think about it, right, when you're that person who can take your focus off yourself and place it on bringing value to others, making someone else's life better, helping solve their problems, helping them to attain what they need, what they want, what they desire. Well, you know, people feel good about you, right? People want to get to know you. They like you, they trust you. They want to be in a relationship with you. They want to do business with you If that's uh, if you have something they want or need, and they want to refer you to others. And so, you know, again, it's it's very rational. Now, you know, I talk about rationale and logic and systems. I'm actually a very emotional guy, okay? Uh, But what we need to to be able to do, and by the way, I'm an emotional person because I'm a human being. Mm -hmm. And as human beings, we're all emotional. We're all emotion-based. We'd like to think we're logical, right? And to a certain extent we are, but as human beings, we are very emotion-driven. We make major decisions based on emotion. Now we back those up with we back them up with logic, right? We we rationalize, which I guess kind of means we tell ourselves rational lies to justify those emotional decisions. But but no, I'm as emotional as anyone. The key is that we need to make sure to control our emotions, be the master of our emotions so they work for us rather than against us. Uh, or as one of my great friends, Dondi Scumaci puts it, uh, she says, by all means, take your emotions along for the ride, but make sure that you are driving the car. Mm-hmm. In other words, we want our decisions to be emo- to be logically based. OK, even though emotions are certainly a, 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 a good to have with us because emotions bring wisdom with them as well. Mm-hmm. Um but, but yeah, the, the go giver itself is, is actually very logical when you think about it. And the five laws the laws of value, compensation, influence, authenticity, and receptivity all play one w- along with the other very holistically. So it's not just one or two or three or even four of them, but actually, actually all five. It begins with the giving of value that focus on providing immense value to others as you're building the relationship, as you're cultivating that relationship, as you're following up and following through. And as you're, you're in the selling process and the, the referral process, it's, it's always about starting with value and then compensation, which is about how many people's lives you touch with that value. And then influence, which is really nothing more than being able to have other people's interests at heart, understanding that, You know, as Dale Carnegie said in How to Win Friends and Influence People, people do things for their reasons, not our reasons. Or as I often say when I speak at a sales conference, nobody's going to buy from you because you have a quota to (laughs) me, right? Or because you need the money or even because you're a really nice person. You know, they're going to buy from you because they believe they'll be better off by doing so than by not doing so, which is why we have to put their interest ahead of our own. And this is also why John David Mann, my awesome co-author and the lead writer uh, of the team, why we say that money is simply an echo of value. Money is an echo of value. It's the thunder to value's lightning, meaning that the value must come first. The value comes first. The money that you receive is simply a very natural and direct result of the value you've provided. The law of authenticity, law number four, just says to show up as yourself. Be that same person. Be the person you are and be so all the time. And law number five, the law of receptivity, says the key to, to effective giving is to stay open. To receiving. It means sure we breathe out, which is giving, we also have to breathe in, mm-hmm. which is receiving. And then it's not a matter of being a giver or a receiver. That's a, that's a treacherous dichotomy. You know, that either or. No. You're a giver and a receiver. But it begins with the focus on giving value. Do, and you, a find,
0: lot to receive. do you find that more sales org sales leaders are, are working in this light? Or do you still find that sales is a very traditional, uh, latent, um, industry?
1: Well, I think it's both. I mean, I think more and more people are understanding, uh, and as you said, there's a lot of good sales books out there. There's a lot of good books that, that, you know, that teach us how to be better, more effective salespeople. And, and the good ones always talk about the fact that it's all always about the prospect. You know, it's not about us. Great salesmanship is never about the salesperson. You know, it's never even about the product or service as important as the product or service is. It's about the other person. It's about how they are going to benefit from that product or service. It's about touching the life of another human being. It's about making their life better just by their having you in it Mm -hmm. as as your product or service. And, and I think that's a message that a lot more people are, are getting. Of course, you know, people are people. So there's going to be those people who that's just you know, they learned a traditional way and that's just what they're going to do. Um, but no, I think more and more, uh, especially as as buyers are in much more of a power position because of the knowledge that the Internet supplies. You know, they already know a whole lot. They still need the salesperson. But they all they already know a lot about the product or service. The the, the, the salesperson is no longer primarily a conduit of information. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. They need to be a conduit of, of insight. They need to, to be an advisor. They need to be able to but as far as the information goes, so no, it's I I, I think it's changing a lot, and I think it's changing a lot for the
0: better. Um and, and let's, speaking of, of the value you're always offering, you're giving, you're giving, um, and, and I 100% agree, all, all these five laws you mentioned in your book, uh, they seem very common sense when you lay them out like that, but I still believe that people still have to focus and understand how to actually action them, um, or else they may, they may fall flat if it's not the way, like you mentioned, they were trained, they may default to bad habits. So how do you give value?
1: Well, it, first of all, it, we, we need to understand what value really is. Mm-hmm because it's, it's different from price, and a lot of people think they're the same. Price is a dollar figure, right? It's, it's uh, a dollar amount, it's, it, it's finite, it is what it is, it's the price of something. Uh, which, by the way, might be more than just the dollars, there's also price in terms of opportunity cost, uh, price in terms of time, price in terms of potential aggravation, price in terms, right? But, but when we say price, we're talking the whole, what it would cost a person to buy a certain thing. That's price. Value is the relative worth or desirability of a thing, of something to the end user or beholder. In other words, what is it about this thing, this product, service, concept, idea, what have you, that brings so much worth to someone, to another human being, that they will willingly exchange their money for it. And be glad that they did, while you make a very healthy profit. Now on a very basic level, a, uh, an example might be the accountant who you, excuse me, hire to do your taxes, and she charges you 1,000 dollars, just to name a round figure. That's her prior fee or her price, $1,000 dollars but what value does she give you in exchange for this $1,000? Well, she uh, say, let's say, through all her hard work, getting to know you, your business, what you're looking to accomplish, all her years of experience and so forth, she is able to save you $5,000 on your taxes.
0: If you love bourbon, you need to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Think back to your last few days in the office. Did any of them leave you feeling really accomplished? Not the kind of day where you're running around like crazy, but where you've made real progress on something that matters. Because being busy doesn't always mean being productive. And I bet you we've all been there. And maybe it's time to rethink what it means to get things done. to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Clary. Just go to Indeed.com slash Clary right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Clary. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. And she provides you with the security and the peace of mind
1: of knowing what was done correctly. So, she actually gave you well over $5,000 in value in exchange for a $1,000 fee or price. And that's just the intrinsic value that she has given you based on what an accountant does. That right there doesn't separate or distinguish her from anyone. So, how do we, in a world in which the, the playing field has basically been leveled through technology and through advancement, how do we distinguish ourselves And as you say? provide value, give value to others. And, and basically, we, the salesperson or the entrepreneur, we need to be that additional value. How? Well, there are dozens if not hundreds of ways to communicate that additional value, but they tend to come down to five, what we call elements of value. And these elements of value are excellence, consistency, attention, empathy, and appreciation. And to the degree that we can communicate those, those five, whether it's one, two, three, or all five of them at every single touch point, well, that's the degree that we, we take competition and price out of the equation.
0: And I understand. So now you have provided uh, that extra value so that you you now have the one up on on the playing field of all the other, for example, the accountants, um, you've added those those value drivers. Now, how do you actually once you have made those value drivers apparent, does the sale just happen because you have uh, shown the intrinsic value? Plus, you've added those five additional value drivers or is you know, another principle in the book is influence. Uh, and you want to influence the individual to do what you're trying to do, which is to close a sale. How do you actually employ that influence on somebody who you're trying to sell to?
1: Well, you influence a person to the degree that you show them that you're able to effectively communicate why they're doing business with you is in their best interest. So, if you if you look at at um, if you look at influence on a very just on a surface level, mm-hmm. uh, we could define it. Uh, we can define influence, again, very basically as simply the ability to move a person or persons to a desired action, usually within the context of a specific goal. That is, by definition, influence. It's the definition. It's not its substance. It's not its essence. And this is the big difference maker. The essence of influence is pull, pull as opposed to push as in the saying, how far can you push a rope, Mm -hmm. the answer is not very far, at least not very (laughs) fast, which is, you know, why great influencers don't push, right? Uh, You never hear people say, wow, that Tom or that Mary, she is so influential. She has a lot of push with people. No, they'd say she has a a lot of pull (laughs) with people, not push. And so that's what influence is. It's pull. It's an attraction. It's magnetic. Uh, How do you do that, though? Well, you really, again, you do that through placing that other person's interest first, asking yourself, asking yourself questions to make sure you're really facing the right direction, which is outward. Uh, for example, how does what I'm asking this person to do, how does it align with their goals? How does it align with their wants, their needs, their desires? How does what... What I want this other person to do, how does it align with their values? What problems am I helping them to solve? How am I making help making their life better? How am I bringing them closer to happiness? Uh, you know, whatever it happens to be, whatever questions make sense. Mm-hmm. And when we ask ourselves these questions thoughtfully, intelligently, um, genuinely, authentically, not as a way to manipulate another human being into doing our will, but as a way of building everyone in the process. Now we've come a lot closer to to earning that person's commitment to our idea. And that is pull. That is
0: influence. And that it's entirely shifting. I love it. Shifting the whole focus. This whole this whole the whole over overarching themes that shifting that focus again from that that internal Self focus to mm, mm, mm. yeah, exactly. yeah. Well, the, the influence, the pull, the giving like it's all like just it's so, so simple, just focus on them, yeah, and you will achieve exactly what you want. Now, you know, when I, I, I look through like all the points in the Go Giver and some of the topics you talk about, and even some of this, the speeches you give on, on how, do you, how do you make sense of this financially, how does this have an ROI attached to it. Well, you're just, you're just focusing on the person and you're, and everything is now tailored to what the customer wants, truly not shoving it down. But again, everything you're doing is in line with what the customer actually wants to achieve. And Mm -hmm. it's just a mindset shift. It's just shifting your mind from what you care about to wait, let me get what I care about by caring about what the customer wants. That's it. Yeah. Very, very, it's, it's, it's it's, the whole, the whole ideology sort of lines up that way. Um, One thing you speak about in the book is mentorship. Um, I'm curious to know, uh, because we spoke about all these different sales books when you were first going to sales. Now there's many, many more So regardless of whether it's a book or a person, how do you find somebody that can guide you this way? Cause not everybody can reach out to Bob Berg and, you know, jump on a call every time they want some help. So how do you find mentors that align with this ideology? Cause I agree with this ideology and I think it's the way to, to be as a salesperson.
1: Well, finding a mentor is, you know, is very helpful because a good mentor can help cut your learning curve time by, by years. Um, I think sometimes people get too attached to having to have that one magical mentor, you know, that's going to change their lives. And that's not usually works. First of all, a mentor protege relationship is just that it's a relationship. So it happens over time and we don't always know when that's going to happen and who that person's going to be. Um, but a lot of people will will kind of approach someone who they you know they respect or they admire or, or what have you and say, hey, will you be my mentor? And you know that's <laughs> excuse me, kind of kind of productive most of the time because first, if you want this person to be your mentor, probably a whole lot of other people do as well, and they're all asking him to to be their yeah. you know be their their mentor, and and you know they they don't most people just don't have time to to do that uh, you know on a consistent basis. But what you can do, which is very effective, is you could really approach almost anyone who's successful and say, you know, I'm wondering, and if this is not something you have time to do or just something you, you just don't wanna do, totally understandable, um, I'm wondering if I might ask you one or two very specific questions. Mm. Now, when you do that, you, you've distinguished yourself from practically everyone else. First, the way you've done it, you've shown respect, not, you know, there's no entitlement. You're, you realize you're asking this person to do something that they, hey, you know, is gonna take up their valuable time and they may not wanna, and you gave them the out. You said, and that's totally understandable, right? And typically, when you give someone the out or back door, they're less likely to feel the need to take it because you're making them feel comfortable. They know you're not gonna waste their time. Then what you also did, which is very effective, is you, you asked uh, you, you said, uh, you know, I'd love to ask you, or, or may I ask you one or two very mm-hmm. specific questions? This shows this person that, you know, you're not just looking to pick their brain and again waste their time. You know, it, it's yeah. a, some general, you know, um, but instead that you have an agenda. And when I say have an agenda, in this case, I mean that in a positive sense. Mm-hmm. In other words, you've thought this out, you plan this out. This is going to be a productive you know, session. Uh, and they respect that, you know, they're much more likely to say, uh, yeah, sure. You know, what we we can take a few minutes or what can I do or what have you. And that's a great start. Now you you want to make sure that you don't ask them anything, the answer to which you could have discovered through an online search, you know what I'm saying? So you want to make sure that, that, that this is something that you would not be able to otherwise know. Otherwise again, that it's a waste of their time. They're not going to respect that. They're going to, right. And then, you know, don't take up a lot of their time just you know, and uh, be totally respectful of it. At the end, let them know how much you appreciate it and how you look forward to applying their wisdom right away. And that if it's okay, I'll, you know, check back every so often and just let you know I was, and they'll say, sure, of course, of course. Now, what I would do is that day I would send a handwritten, personalized note of thanks, not a text, not an email, handwritten, personalized note of thanks. And just, you just say, you know, again, thank you so much for taking valuable time out of your day. Your wisdom is priceless. I look forward to applying it right away and we'll keep in touch and let you know how things are going. Boom. Best just a short, sweet note, handwritten, number 10 or regular envelope, a regular snap, send it out, um, what have you. Also, a nice touch is, is discover what their favorite charitable cause is, which you can, again, you can do that by just searching them online and, and learning that. And then make a small donation. It doesn't have to be anything big, just a small donation in their name. They'll be notified of it. And you're not doing it to kiss up or anything, but only so, again, they understand that you get it, that you are totally respectful of the product. So you're now, you're the type of person who they want to mentor. They wanted it, right? So now, maybe weeks later, you either email or call, let them know how things are going. You had a good success, or you had another question, and would it be all right? Whatever. And if in time uh, a mentor protege relationship is supposed to develop, it will. If not, it won't. It might be this person was there for one conversation, as will three or four other people be, and then you might meet someone who ends up being a real ongoing. Who knows? We want to just you know do it the right way without attachment. To the results.
0: Very smart. Very, very, very smart. Those are good, very, very good strategies. I've never heard those strategies before. So I like that a lot. I yeah. love when I hear like something new, new on this show. A lot of people speak <laughs> about mentorship, but those are very, very uh, clever strategies and I think they're very smart. Um, I, want to, uh, I, I want to ask some rapid fire before we end off today uh, just about, uh, you know, some quick, quick questions. Uh, but before I go off and we close out, Um, is there anything that I didn't ask about Go-Giver or what you're working on now that's meaningful to you that you wanted to, you bring, to bring up?
1: Well, we have four books in the series. Three of them are parables. Anyone who goes to birdburg.com, they can scroll down and read a chapter if they'd like to see if they like, uh, where it's headed and they can always click to Amazon or, or, you know, wherever they'd like, um. I do have a free uh, video course, a free uh, uh, four part uh, online, four video online uh, course, mini course we call it, called Selling the Go-Giver Way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it, it should be up on the site right now. Oh, I got it. <laughs> I'll link that below. <laughs> and, uh, which they can uh, watch if they like.
0: Perfect. Um, can I do a couple rapid fire, just short answer before we sure. close off? Awesome. Sure. Thank you very much. Um, What's one resource, a book, podcast, person that people should go check out that you're learning from?
1: Uh, I subscribe to Randy Gage's Prosperity blog. Hmm. He also has a podcast and a, a YouTube channel. Uh, so I'm a, I'm a big believer in really learning Prosperity, continuing learning. So there's a there's a few people like Randy, Sharon Lecter, Bob Proctor, who's one of your fellow Canadians. Uh, mm-hmm. He's in the Toronto area, um, and uh, you know people like Ellen Rogan, and there's a, there's a number of David Nagel. There's a, a number of good people that speak specifically on prosperity thinking and mindset. So I'm always studying them, and and uh, feel that's a, a really good resource for people to to
0: go to. A positive resource, too, I find a lot of these individuals, very. especially we need that more than ever now. Um, uh, what's uh, what's one lesson that you would tell your younger self?
1: Oh, that one is probably the easiest of all, you know, because <laughs> I would I would say probably to 22, 23 year old young Bob Berg, I'd say young Bob Berg, shut up. Stop talking, start listening. You don't know half of what you think you know and the other half that you're sure you know is so totally wrong, you don't even realize it yet.
0: It's <laughs> a, a good lesson. <laughs> that's a good, very good lesson. I think, I think that applies at any age for some, for some people. <laughs> um, and then last, uh, last question, what does success mean for you?
1: I believe that success, is a, um, a sense, a genuine feeling of happiness, of peace of mind in knowing you did the best you can to, to operate at your highest level. I think that's success.
0: Very good answer. Um, and, uh, lastly, where can people connect with you online? Do you have websites, uh, socials yes, you Or, you know,
1: at Berg.com, if they scroll down to the very bottom of the page, they'll see everything, uh, oh. uh you know, LinkedIn and Twitter and Facebook and <laughs> Instagram and whatever else. <laughs> right.
0: That's all for today. Thanks again for joining me on another episode of the Success Story Podcast. You can download or stream this podcast wherever podcasts are available, including iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitcher If you love bourbon, you need to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Think back to your last few days in the office. Did any of them leave you feeling really accomplished? Not the kind of day where you're running around like crazy, but where you've made real progress on something that matters. Because being busy doesn't always mean being productive, and I bet you we've all been there. And maybe it's time to rethink what it means to get things done.